0: what's up guys we believe teenagers have been put in a box and under a stereotype and we want to break out of that every week we talk with the next generation of innovators and influencers about stuff like entertainment fashion sports and food we also get the perspective on current topics as well as find out what keeps them motivated on the daily welcome to juvie
1: What is going on, Juvie listeners? Before we get into this guest, guys, please download the episode if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google Podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, the new set is looking amazing Amazing. with the new lighting, so throw us a like, subscribe if you're new around here, comment what we should do the color for the next lights, and Josh, who are we talking with
0: today? Today, to start off, he is our first ever guest who's flown in to be in an episode, he is... Young, nineteen-year-old entrepreneur and owner of a six-figure lawn care business, LawnPal, Austin Abbott. How you doing, bro?
2: How's it going, man? I appreciate y'all having me out here. Yeah, I of dig course. The, I dig the Kanye poster as well. Thank
1: you, thank you. So you came out from Austin, and your name's Austin.
2: Yeah, so I was born and raised in Austin. Uh, lived there all my life. Um, and uh, yeah, so I started up a lawn care company, um, when I was a uh, sophomore in high school. Dang. Nice. Um, so I was barely able to drive, and my dad actually had had a truck. And so I was like, hmm, how can I make some money? Um, and I uh, and I used social media as some leverage. Gotcha. And um, like Nextdoor app, Facebook, those kinds of places. Yeah. Um, and since I had a lead-in with my mom being in the neighborhood Facebook page, we were able to um, amass, I think, like 20 or 30 yards just in the first year. Dang. Well, um, that was still while going to high school. Um, and so, yeah, so every year since then... Um, 17, when I was 17, 18, and 19, I graduated in 2020. Dang. So um, I was able to double it to, I think I had 60 yards whenever I was 17. Um, and obviously those are on all kinds of schedules, some weekly, yeah. some biweekly and stuff like that. Um, and I was able to amass in 2020 when COVID had happened, um, we were able to double it again. So wow. th- I think we had, it was like barely over 100. I think we were at like 100. 90 to 100 just avid customers. So, um, at that part, at that point in time, I had just had uh, various people that I had known at school, like, hey, you know, like football players or stuff, I'd go up to them and be like, hey, you know, you want to work or whatever. Um, And so I'd have them work on Saturdays and we just like put a bunch of the yards on that day just so we could get them taken care of and stuff. Um, But uh, this year, um, we're so we've doubled every year. This year, we haven't quite doubled just because we're getting into that growth phase of like, since i'm still out in the field it's like um we either have a full-time crew running and then i start up a second crew gotcha and so we're in that growth phase so right now i do have a full-time employee um his name is damon actually he's a great dude shout Um, out damon yeah (laughs) he'll be listening to this podcast probably uh he's actually in his 40s so he's a little bit Uh, older than me um and uh, he's just done a whole bunch of stuff with his life and um but uh yeah he's uh he's a great dude and um we'll crank out we do about 70 yards a week and we have our oh, first wow. commercial property this year um it's a, a church property so we mow that it's got about two miles of edging um, Holy wow boy. and uh it's about three and a half acres so that's crazy that's so, where we're at right now wow. as far as the so, company
0: goes run us through what is lawn power like what do you guys do what's your service
2: yeah so the so the main service part aspect of it is uh you know um we want to basically simplify the process of uh customers getting their lawn taken care of in an ample amount of time. Cause most of the problem is with a lot of the other lawn care companies is that when you text or communicate with the person, there's like a lag time of like, you know, maybe a week or two. And obviously if, if you're slammed in the busy schedule season, it would make sense. But, the communication aspect of most lawn care companies is not refined. And so the idea of PAL, the ultimate idea, and this is years down the road, is to turn it into kind of the Uber of lawn care. Gotcha. Um, And there are a few companies out there that are attempting that, um, like Lawn Starter. Um, Austin's going to do it better. Yeah, Yeah. Austin's going to do it better. So, so yeah, that's the idea of the company in the long run. Um, But, yeah, the communication aspect of it. And most of uh, the people in the industry um, just – They provide a good service but they don't provide a brand behind the service and i think with lon pal we we want to kind of establish the brand because you know most most people are probably like i mean you probably if y'all don't cut your yard if anybody mow their yard who's watching this you probably don't know what company's mowing it so like if you had like a hipster company yeah that uh did a whole bunch of stuff like various services um or just had an established brand through social media then for sure you could uh you know you could establish the brand and, and people would would uh would know your brand and want to hire you yeah
1: i want to go back to the beginning because i think it's a very interesting story so i know a lot of kids like with the entrepreneur mindset they you know they go to the lemonade stand they go to the lawn like mowing lawns at what point so you started in sophomore year high school right
2: yeah i started this company yeah gotcha
1: and so but i want to go even before that because you were telling us a couple different things that you did before that and so what did that look like
2: yeah so when i was younger uh I don't know if anybody knows what muscadine trees are, but they actually have like these berries on them and they're called muscadines. Um, and they, uh, are ripe around the summer season. So when I was younger, uh, middle school days, um, I get a whole bunch of kids on my street. Um, and we would go pick all these berries and turn them into jelly. Uh, now my mom helped gotcha. quite a bit with that, which yeah. <laughs> um, she didn't actually get paid. It was the whole business plan or idea of it. Just, uh, it wouldn't make sense in the real world. It was kind of like, use a, mom, make money. Exactly. <laughs> Essentially. That's what it was. And so, uh, we were using her to do that. And then we would go door to door and kind of sell them and use the kind of Facebook to sell them. Yeah. Um, and it was just kind of in fun. I've always enjoyed that. Uh, the aspect of, uh, providing a service or selling a product to, um, uh, a customer, sorry. And, yeah. uh, uh, just that exchange and stuff. And, uh, and yeah, so I did that, um, and then I worked for a rancher for a period of time, and then on the side I had done, uh, I don't know if anybody knows the app Poshmark, it's uh, kind of like a Macari, yeah. Yeah. or a Depop. Yeah. Um, so, I had a good friend um, that actually went to my church, and uh, she was doing it full-time like for a living, and she was mm. making like some good money with it, so I was like, okay, let me try this. Yeah. Um, and originally I had just downloaded the app and I was like okay you know what is this I had to figure it out and then um, I got a camera and then I started buying all these clothes to resell and I actually started selling some stuff I think I made a couple thousand on that Dang. just wow. well just on the side while working for the uh, mr. Walsh who's a rancher up the road and uh, for him I would just take care of his cattle and stuff but um, I had amassed that to about 65,000 followers on the app. Um, Dang, wow. So, and I'm actually one of their, uh, I think they call it like an ambassador or something. Gotcha. So, and
1: now are you still involved with that at all?
2: Uh, I'll list stuff and sell stuff every now and then, but uh, it's just not as financially worth it for me 100%. as yeah, it used to definitely. be. But yeah. It's more of like kind of, you know, just, just getting rid of stuff to like make some side money. So. Yeah, 100%. So now back to Lawn Powell, I'm curious, how much do you
0: charge for a basic service?
2: Yeah, so for a basic service if somebody were to text me and just say hey you know they're one of my their lawn mode um obviously that includes the mowing edging and, and blowing off the driveway uh anything else aside from that would be extra as far as leaves go but our main ticket average i believe is between 40 and 41 so we okay. have some our price minimum right now is 30 dollars or 32 this year um, we have some that are a tad bit below that just because we've had them for so long or whatever and it's just kind of like a sentimental thing to keep their yard yeah Yeah. but uh next year we're gonna raise our prices a little bit um and uh yeah so the average price is about 40 so now
1: do you want to stay doing the work or would you eventually like to be behind the scenes and just have people do it for you
2: eventually i would be behind the scenes and kind of work more on the branding aspect of it but uh you know i definitely enjoy being out in the field um and uh you know Dealing with the problems that, that uh, the headache, kind of like what y'all have here where yeah. Mike stops working or whatever, just kind of dealing with the headaches and kind of figuring it out. Like yeah. figure, you know, there's a problem, find a solution for it. And there there have been plenty of those. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Yeah, so um, you
0: said that you've done a lot of other business ventures. Is there anything other than like the jelly making and the Poshmark and yeah, So, Lawn Pal?
2: Uh, so I had done, uh, I did lemonade stands when I was younger. I would just set one up at the end of the road. And um, that was kind of like my my first, uh, as far as that I can remember at the moment, that was kind of my first business venture. Um, and then in high school, like my freshman year, uh, I actually started a YouTube channel and I want to do like vlogs and stuff. And so like any kid, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah it was kind of just a, uh, cringy moment, but a cringy moment in time. However, I've actually had some people recently reach out and like, Hey man, I appreciate you filming those days cause they get to look at back at it and it's kind of like a nostalgic experience. Yeah. So even though I got hate in the meantime, yeah. uh, In the long term people have appreciated it for sure definitely um but i used to sell uh like skittles um you know all kinds of different candy and like a a, my whole backpack would just yeah um and i realized uh people wanted to drink to go with that especially on the bus so originally i would just bring a soda or you know selection of sodas and stuff and i'd sell those on the bus but then the another problem happened was that they wanted them cold, obviously, oh, yeah. want uh, hot soda on a hot yeah. bus. So I would start, I, I got this, like, ice pouch or whatever, Dude, and I had, like, <laughs> 12 to 18 sodas or whatever. Amazing. And i put them and sell them for, I think, a buck or so. And um, I would do, like, little deals where it was, you know, if you buy one soda, then you get half off of a candy bar or whatever. So it's like, why wouldn't you buy both? Yeah. So you've so, just been
1: a hustler since day one? Yeah, yeah essentially. I've, I've
2: always enjoyed it, and I've never thought of it, through the aspect of uh, getting money from it, I've always just kind of done it um, because I wanted to. Gotcha. Yeah. So,
1: and now I think what I've realized is, <clears throat> since you started relatively y- y- nice. relatively young in high school, I think what a lot of times what happens when teenagers start to go like they start to take it serious, the people around them start to have a reaction. Did that happen?
2: Yeah. Um. I definitely got made fun of quite a bit in high school for just doing stuff that. Um, a lot of people thought, you know, whenever I was selling candy and stuff, that was kind of kiddish of me to do and stuff and yeah. that I needed to grow up. Yeah. Uh, especially with the YouTube thing too. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, uh, I actually started watching Gary Vee quite a bit Yeah. And I know, I, that guy. I know you're a big fan of him. Yeah. yeah. I don't watch him as much anymore. Um, gotcha. but I definitely got motivation through that and, and the drive from him because, uh, you know, a lot of people go through that. If you're 100%. doing something different. Yeah. That people don't necessarily see as the norm they'll they'll get just either they're jealous angry whatever it is 100%. Yeah. and then they'll you know direct that towards you at school and make fun of you for it so yeah, yeah that's definitely definitely,
1: that's definitely happened with this but you know at the end of the day who really cares what they yeah, think yeah exactly and as long as I feel like as long as you can kind of get past that then that's where you're gonna you know that's when you start winning so now once like your lawn care business started taking off did people have a reaction to that um or did you just the, keep it on the low and no one really knew
2: yeah i kind of kept it on the low originally um as far as the older popular 30s and up population our area uh i'd say a decent amount of them know of my name because i've seen it on there but as gotcha. far as like the you know because facebook and next door and stuff that's yeah. skews older yeah. yeah so i was mainly advertising on that and obviously i have a, a long pal instagram and stuff but um and I would market it on Instagram, so I'd have a few friends that figured it out. And obviously, you know, if somebody had asked me what I was doing, I would, I would tell them. Yeah, hundred percent. But I wasn't necessarily like pushing it. Yeah, gotcha. Because I, I realized if you, you know, if you're posting stuff, then you're asking for a reaction. Hundred percent. Essentially. Yeah, yeah. and See, so that's what we do.
1: We want the reaction. That's what yeah, we're here for. yeah. It's hard it, to do
2: with a podcast. I yeah, imagine.
1: I mean that's I mean that's what we purposely put out clips that are going to cause reaction whether good or bad but that's what i mean that's what we're here to do right yeah yeah
2: it's the job and that's kind of uh you know that's something y'all enjoy uh putting out for sure and uh whether or not people you know see it as a a thing that's good or bad they're going to comment what whatever they feel like regardless and so it's like exactly all means go ahead yeah we might as
1: well might as well put it out because either way yeah
2: cause a reaction yeah
0: so we've talked about all of your entrepreneurship stuff we talked about lawn pal tell us what else you like to do like day to day
2: yeah so I actually got into bowling recently uh uh, before that I was really into roller skating so uh, I would go uh, once or twice a week roller skating originally um and then I moved to bowling uh I'd actually gone on a couple of dates with this one chick and um and I actually really enjoyed the bowling aspect of it. So gotcha. I was like, okay, I'm going to pick this up a little bit. She also, she also beat me pretty bad. So, so you're
1: like, i uh, got to get good at this. Yeah. So we are yeah. on another date. Yeah. Take it with W. So <laughs> the uh, one
0: thing you took away from the date was the fact that you enjoy bowling.
2: <laughs> <that's> <laughs> Essentially, yeah. But uh, I picked it up and, um, you know, I just really got into it. Um, and I've only been playing for about two or three months. Um, and I've gotten pretty decent at it. And my hope one day is to maybe go uh, – to the PBA, the Professional Bowling Association. I Dude, believe. Imagine
1: imagine him just telling his kids what he did. Started off with the lemonade stand, yep. then the candy, then lawn care. Pro
0: bowler. Like, yeah, pro that's <laughs> the coolest thing. I feel like it's such a subtle flex.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm a pro bowler.
1: Because like no one's good at bowling, but like being good at bowling is sick. Yeah. It's like, very
2: cool. Yeah, it's it's super cool. Uh the only issue is it's slightly an expensive sport. Uh, Oh, it is. Luckily, I uh, made some buddies there that work there and stuff. So they'll give me like the league bowler discount. Oh, shit. So whenever I show up, it's like. 15 an hour as opposed to, like, 27 or 30 an hour. So Dang, that, that's, that's, that's get expensive. Yeah. And I'll yeah. usually try and go about three or four times a week just to uh, wow. enjoy it and stuff. Yeah. So, that's, that's, so not,
0: that's such a fun hobby.
1: Yeah, so would you consider it your hobby on the side? Yeah,
2: I'd say that's my main hobby. Um, I did, before that, uh, there was one business aspect thing that I left out. It was Pokemon cards. Oh, and, cool. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, all kinds of just, not necessarily po- only Pokemon cards, but, you know, NFL cards and stuff yeah. like that. And I actually would resell them on eBay, so I would go to these, you know, kids that didn't really play with them anymore. Yeah. yeah. And I would offer them like 40, 50 bucks for the whole binder. Oh, and then I'd did. find a card in there that's like worth 100, Dang. 200, 300 dollars ungraded. Yeah. And then I'd flip them on uh eBay. So I got into that uh kind of during the COVID times because it was really hard to get out and do stuff. Yeah, 100%. So I had I kind of had to find a hobby kind of inside yeah. aside from the company yeah i yeah. kind to of take my mind off of things do you know a total of how much you made from selling pokemon cards uh rough not estimate. i mean i have a lot still in my collection so okay. i haven't sold like a bunch of them just because i've kind of been all over the place yeah. uh, over the past couple of months but i think i want to say I, I sold about 800 to a thousand dollars worth. it wasn't a wow. ton so nice. you know i just kind of did it on the side And yeah. i do have a bunch of rare cards um I have a uh, an e-reader. If anybody's watching that's in the Pokemon <laughs> community, I got an e-reader. Uh, uh, Secret rare Charizard from uh, 2003. I think it's worth about five grand. Wow. Dude, that's, that's graded though. The
0: only thing I know about Pokemon cards is that Charizard is expensive for some oh, reason. Oh yeah, from like the, the from the Logan Paul stuff. Yeah, like yeah, the PSA 10 say. Charizard. Didn't he sell? It was the first ever like million dollar card.
2: Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, he bought the uh, Beckett version, Beckett graded version. Okay, which so here's my question:
1: for someone like you that's like interested in like <clears throat> knows what he's talking about when it comes to Pokemon, is there a point where it ends where something is just not have any value anymore because Pokemon is dead, or do you think it just keeps going?
2: Well, I don't necessarily know um, as far as if it will keep going from here on out because we're we're now dealing with de- generations that didn't necessarily grow up in that main phase. Yeah, because yeah. the main phase of it was from '95 until. 1995 until about 2010 of like, someone even are like t- 2014 um, of like people that grew up in that phase. So now it's more of a nostalgic experience for the people actually gotcha. buying the cards yeah. and you know, all the people that grew up with it now have jobs and probably have money. So they're willing yeah. to spend a little bit and you know, just like this art piece on the wall here, yeah, people want, you know, a piece of art from what they had as a childhood and more of a uh, kind of bring them back. And so yeah. um, I think that the price, um, you never know but i think that since pokemon has done such a good job at branding themselves and putting out so many different things of pieces of content as yeah. far as like video games cards oh, yeah, and yeah, how they same. mesh them all together i think i mean they're knocking out you know a whole bunch of birds with one stone so yeah. it's just exactly. like and you know. i
1: think i think it's cool that like logan paul he's brought a bunch more like relevancy to it yeah he's kind of brought it back for like me like i mean in like middle school like it was a thing but i i feel like there was a generation where it's just way more yeah popular because i mean me being 15 i was born zone six so he's like it was kind of yeah. starting to fade out at
0: that point yeah because like everybody in the pokemon game was saying that logan paul revived it
2: yeah yeah, he definitely did. He spiked the prices up. I actually got into it uh, two or three months before that. A buddy of mine had actually texted me. He was like, "Dude, you got to get into this. These cards are about to blow up." I was like, "All right, I don't know," but um, I got into it, and sure enough, yeah, when he when he dropped that video, most of the cards that I had had were, jumped up quite a bit in price. Damn. And I see the thing is, is and this is the issue with stocks, cryptocurrency, and also you know, cards and stuff yeah. is that you never know when to sell because yeah. if the price keeps going up, then after you sell it, you're going to beat yourself and be like, oh, yeah. so then it's also sold. the thing like it could tank do you just and go you can lose the tank. money. Do you yeah. just
1: go with the gut feeling at that point?
2: Yeah, you kind of got to go with the gut feeling. Um, however, I actually haven't checked the prices recently on the cards that I do have, so I don't know if they've necessarily tanked or increased in value, but I do eventually need to uh, just sell out of them and then keep the cards that, uh, you know, have more of a meaningful uh, yeah that Have more of a meaningful connection with 100%.
1: But you're also involved in crypto,
2: yeah. So, uh, He's doing it all guys. So, so Dogecoin, uh, nice, uh, Ethereum. I actually don't own any percentage of, of Bitcoin. Okay. Is there um, a
1: reason behind that?
2: Uh, I think because you're able to yield a bigger percentage as far as the day goes, um, with um, coins that are that cost quite a bit less because yeah. you can afford more if they cost less than yeah. i think it's like forty six thousand dollars i mean yeah so bitcoin is huge right now yeah it's, it's huge yeah it's growing in market cap and a lot of countries are adapting and accepting it um and as far as the sec goes which kind of controls um the aspects of uh as far as what the stock market does and as far as the cryptocurrency um market kind of does in the united states They're putting some uh, regulations on it right now, so it's, like, super volatile.
1: Interesting. So, I was going to say, because for something like that that the government can't really control, are they, like, slowly kind of
2: getting involved? Yeah, so they're slowly slowly starting to get involved. There's a lot of talk about uh, this GovCoin coming out. or It's got a lot of names that people are speculating, Mm -hmm. but... But the government's definitely going to get their share in the crypto market because there's so much money to be made, yeah, and be wherever there's money too. to be made, taxes are going to be taken out. So yeah, they're definitely going to create didn't, something. Didn't out. some
1: country just make it like their national currency? Did I see yeah, that somewhere? Yeah,
2: uh, National currency. Well, yeah, they bought but, like a whole. I think they bought like thirty thousand Bitcoin, or it might have been three thousand something. Uh, yeah,
1: and like it. But how's that work? Because then everyone has to be involved in crypto.
2: So essentially, the way. This is the most simplified way to think of the cryptocurrency market. So essentially what crypto is, is a currency that is not attached to a specific country. Like yen is attached to China. So whenever you go to China, if you're spending USD, it's more harder to get, you know, change. So you convert the cash into yen. Yeah. So there's a conversion of how much the USD is worth to yen and essentially what crypto is is you're buying you're paying usd or whatever the currency is that you have it in your country you're paying into uh, crypto that is a set price compared to your value of your currency and you're essentially gambling on the fact that it's going to go up interesting um and then when you trade it back to your currency you have more money so that's kind of the idea and the concept of it because a lot of people don't really know what the crypto yeah the whole idea yeah. of crypto and it's got a lot of aspects to it hundred percent yeah
1: are you involved in the NFT world at all?
2: Uh, I had a buddy actually the other day tell me to get into the crypto dad's NFT stuff. Interesting. Um, he was saying like the the price is going to shoot up or something. Or he actually had a, a one of his friends was saying that. Um, and I just haven't gotten into that. I feel like it's a fairly uh, new, and I feel like it's I feel like it's kind of scammy because like anybody yeah. can kind of create their website or put out a coin or it's not really a coin. It's a non fungible token. Yeah. Um, so essentially, what nfts are are stuff that like pieces of the internet that you can own so gotcha. um so it's very difficult to in my opinion uh put you know a thousand two thousand three thousand dollars into like a picture or whatever on the yeah. internet it's like yeah. oh you don't know if it's gonna go up or not obviously people are making a ton of money like yeah. I saw I guy made 30 grand but
0: i just don't understand the, why somebody would want to buy a jpeg i think it's for I the just money because there's, like, there's i just think i just don't well, I understand, I understand why it's making people money, but it doesn't make any sense to me. Asshole. Here's all. the thing: is there's so it's like one of those things, where
1: You know, there's money involved with it, but the whole thing is still. I think it's because it's so new.
0: How was that money <laughs> involved in JPEGs? Just, Dude, because like, here's the thing: copy paste it.
1: Where a bunch of people put their money, there's money there, right? Yeah, it's but a, like, <coughs> I know the thing is thing. I
2: don't understand why people are putting their money. Because it's
1: one of ones. I own this. You can't have it. You can take a picture of it, but you don't have any value, right?
2: Yeah. So essentially, uh, the way that the NFT market works is there has never been, as since the the dot com era, there has never been a thing that you could own or, or a piece of the internet that you could physically own aside from stocks that were based on companies that were on the internet. So essentially, the NFT world is trying to break the gap of, okay, um, I want to own a piece of the internet you. Gotcha. Because they, they see that as kind of a stock. But in my opinion, it's kind of scammy because I feel like somebody could just come in and create that and then like let's say they made ten thousand of them and the owner had like five hundred of them or whatever. Yeah. Like at the cheapest price possible. And then all of a sudden, like people start picking them up for like three, 000, four thousand dollars. And then all of a sudden the owner sells out of all of his, you know and makes bank. Yeah. And, yeah. Makes bank. and they've they've done that with with uh, I think Safe Moon did that. It's, it was a coin that yeah. it just tanked right after wow.
1: I mean, I feel like it's like I feel like at the same time it's so new, but it's also such a good time to get into it. Yeah, I just don't know. I think you got to be really educated to, Like you got to know yeah, what you're definitely. doing, hundred percent.
2: Yeah, so there's a level of risk involved. Um, a lot of people say don't risk, uh, you know, all the don't risk money that you don't want to lose all of. Yeah, gotcha. not a fan of that statement because the likelihood that if you're diverse enough in the crypto market and both in the stock market, if you're diverse enough, then you have, you know, the likelihood that all the coins are going to tank to zero is very slim. Yeah. I would say be comfortable with losing 50 to 60. Gotcha. Maybe 65% like, of this yeah. portfolio.
1: So, like, at least go into it knowing you're taking a risk.
2: Yeah, go into it knowing you're taking a risk. And don't don't trade uh, emotionally. Um, oh, gotcha. There was a recent, so I actually purchased uh, Dogecoin, it was at 50 cents, and I've been bringing my cost average down recently. Um, but I made a pretty good trade from, I think it was... 36 cents to and i sold at 70 mm-hmm. so i doubled my money wow. um in like two days it was crazy and did you take out yeah i actually pulled out there so gotcha. and then i bought back in after the saturday night live deal um, gotcha
1: what was that oh, i don't know what that is
2: so elon musk was on a saturday night live yeah um you saw that yeah so like terrible. episode it was, it was pretty terrible? bad it was yeah. so terrible wait like why
0: it was so cringy he's a terrible actor
2: yeah he's oh, not right, that great he was acting yeah it was terrible yeah <laughs> and he had said some stuff that just you know a whole bunch of people were watching so it's like People were determined if they're gonna buy or sell. That yeah.
1: dude is so influential, it's insane.
2: Oh, yeah, he yeah.
0: tanked like so many coins because yeah.
2: of it. Oh,
0: because yeah. he's making like
1: jokes about him or yeah. something. Yeah. Dude, what do you think about that? Like the dude holds the so manipulation. Much
2: power. Yeah, um, I think that there's very little room to regulate that since you have a social media platform that just so happens that all the people, or not all, but I'd say Enjoy. about half of the of the crypto market is on. And obviously, if this was the stock world, I'm not necessarily sure if that would be legal of like pumping coins like that or, yeah. or yeah. stocks like that. I mean, I know they did the GameStop and AMC stuff back in yeah. January, and recently it had a, a bigger pump. Um, but you know, that was more to get back at the at the uh, at Wall Street, the the guys that have been screwing gotcha. the smaller guys over for okay. so long. So,
1: did you get into that at all?
2: Uh, I actually was not into trading yet. Um, gotcha. I was in Hawaii actually with Alex, the guy that y'all had on. Yeah, a that's, how actually, that's how we actually got yeah. in contact with Austin. Yeah, and uh, I was in, I was in there with Alex, um, and me and him were actually like talking about it in the hotel room. I was like, dude, I was like, man, I wish I could download this because I, I I was 19 or no, I was 18, and so I had to have um, my social security number or something, so gotcha. I couldn't do it. Well, it, it was like the bridge where I, if I was seventeen, I could do it under my parents' thing. Yeah. But since I was eighteen, I needed my social security number. So oh, okay. I didn't have that when I was in Hawaii. So I was like, oh, darn it. Yeah. So uh, when I got home, I actually uh, downloaded, you know, Coinbase, Robinhood, a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, I got into it. Um, and I started playing with small amounts of money, and gotcha. then I started playing with like bigger amounts of money. Go gotcha.
1: Home. And now I'm I'm interested because all of our guests are young, and I would. We always get like different responses to this question, but you as like a young entrepreneur, starting young, but like specifically with Long Pal, what do you think like the biggest advantage you have is?
2: Uh, I think the biggest advantage uh, originally, since I wasn't knocking on doors, a lot of people are like, oh, the only reason you got customers was because of pity, like yeah. oh, they they just want to yeah. give you the business because you're the youngest. Yeah, I actually, since I was advertising on social media, I think I had the advantage over. Um, a majority of the marketplace because most of these people they're leaving on door hangers. And let's be honest, when you get a door hanger, you're just throwing it away. away. Yeah. Yeah. Or it'll blow away and cause trash and people are like, Oh, look at this company putting all this stuff up in our neighborhood and it's just blowing around yards and stuff. So, um, so there's definitely that aspect of it of, um, I haven't had to put much money at all into advertising aside from some business cards. Um, and it's all been organic growth. So right now it's solely, uh, from when people hear about the company, it's solely, uh, you know, word of mouth at the moment. Just because it helps me grow at a steady pace. Yeah. So
1: you'd, so okay, so back to the, so you would say,
2: what would be your biggest advantage? Yeah, the biggest. you're ad- like
1: to narrow it down to one thing.
2: Of being a teenager in the lawn care business. Yeah. Or just, or just in the business world. Yeah. Yeah, I think the uh, biggest advantage is that I have a lot of years under, under, or not under my belt, a lot of years in the future to uh, figure out the kinks in the system. Yeah. Hundred um, percent. And figure out ways to. Uh, work around it and I also have um, people they always say to have mentors that are above where you are or, or where you want to be and then also yeah. some that you're mentoring at your level and then 100%. some below yeah so I have guys that I definitely look up to um, as far as um, the business world goes to or you know and, and stuff to uh, work out with it so
0: definitely 100%. so to follow with that question and to close up the episode, what would you say the most misunderstood thing about teenagers is from an outside perspective?
2: assuming that the person, assuming with that question, assuming that the person is kind of looking down upon a teenager um, based on what they're doing, I would have to say that we're extremely misunderstood um, and that we don't necessarily understand how to uh, run companies, how to kind of act in the real world. Um, And I think that that's a fairly negative way to look at things in the sense that uh, the teenagers of today are going to be the future of tomorrow. Yeah. 100%. And so when you have kind of more of a pessimistic outlook... Now, don't get me wrong. A lot of the teenagers yeah. are throwing their lives away for and doing sure. all kinds of stuff yeah, to just sure. screw their lives up in the long run. But um, So so it's they're correct about those, but the, the top 10%, the 100%. high performers of the teenage generation, um, is definitely looked down upon um, as far as what they're capable of and stuff. Yeah. So I think... That, um, my question to the people that have an issue with the way teenagers are are living now is what would you or what, uh, is yeah, is what would you do in the situation that all the teenagers are in today? Yeah. Yeah, what
1: were you doing when you were a teenager?
2: Well, no, not even that, but like, given the stuff and how easily accessible things are as far as technology goes it's like what would you be doing if you were set with the same cards as all the teenagers today that's true yeah that's
1: great and I feel like kind of like to add on to that it's like they don't they can't fully understand it because they're not living in this generation. Exactly. Like, we've been in such a generation switch from when they were teenagers to when we were teenagers, so they can only understand it to, like, a certain extent, right? Yeah. That's a great way to wrap up this episode. Yep. If you guys made it to the end of this, you want to go check out any of Austin's social medias, all of his websites for any of his business stuff. will be all the first links. Thank you so much for flying out. Yeah. It's been a great time. Yeah. So if fun. you live I'm in Austin,
0: book... Um, if
1: you live in Austin, book Austin. Yeah. Through book Long Austin.
2: Pal. Yeah. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram at Lawn 100%. Um, I got a personal Instagram as well. It's it's Austin Abbott. Um, That'll be then, all yeah, the first so. links. Yeah, will all out. be in the description.
1: Anything else you want to say before we wrap this one up?
2: This one up? Uh, I appreciate you all having me on, man. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, thank yeah. you for coming down. I enjoyed it, yeah. It's been a great definitely. episode.
1: I think that's a wrap.
2: That's a wrap. Perfect. What would you say your favorite artist is as of right now? I'm actually a big fan of Kanye West. Yeah. Um, I definitely, as as I don't agree with him on on some of the stuff that he talks about. You know, he's a pretty controversial, controversial figure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I definitely respect the fact that he's a free thinker. I and I'm a, a big awesome. fan of that um, because I feel like, especially teenagers, and you probably you guys probably deal with this a little bit too, of you kind of feel capped on um, what you can do based on what society perceives you as what you yeah. should do. Yeah. And so I think Kanye West is a great example of breaking society's barriers as far as music goes um and then he got into the fashion industry and now he's working on designing stuff yeah um, Yeah. and he actually just bought a ranch in calabasas i believe yeah um and i definitely respect the guy for sure um and donda was good um sorry uh, i can't
1: let you talk crap on donda no, I'm not, I'm not, it, was, it was good. I, I actually
2: enjoyed a few a few of the songs on there. I haven't had a chance to actually listen guess, to the full album yet, yeah. but um, a couple of the songs that I like on there. All
1: of our listeners super. know that Kanye is one of my top inspirations, so yeah. I can't I can't
0: hear it. Yeah. I've unlisted uh, listened to Moon.
1: I know. We can't talk about that either, but that's yeah. great. That's a great way to wrap up this episode.
2: Yeah.